Holy Gospel is written in the 23rd chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And as they led Jesus away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two others, malefactors, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, Save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things that were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Praise be to thee, O Christ. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now in Philippians chapter 2, we read these words about Christ Jesus that uh, help us in our understanding of Holy Week and the Passion narrative. Although he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now this passage helps us because it speaks of Jesus as slave and sacrifice, or in other words, servant and scapegoat. We read of Jesus letting go, stripping himself of everything which made him equal with God in order to become a human being like us, in order then to serve us. And on Monday, Thursday in particular, we celebrate Jesus' decision to become a servant to those he had created when we remember his washing of the disciples' feet and his words that you call me teacher and Lord and it is right that you do so because that is what I am. I, your teacher and Lord, have just washed your feet. Jesus, our Lord and King, reveals himself as our servant. And in fact, service of others is the true vocation and measure of kingship. More than this, his service of others as their king leads all the way to his death on the cross, the laying down of his own life for the sake of others. As Philippians 2 puts it, he was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, his death on the cross. The true king lays down his own life for the love of his people, that is, for all people everywhere. And Jesus is that true king who turns the meaning of kingship upside down. No longer is kingship to be understood in terms of garnering wealth and power for oneself in order to defend oneself from others. Now it is understood to be about service, giving your life that others might live. Jesus, as the servant king, says to us, I, your Lord and teacher, have just washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you so that you will do just what I have done for you. Robert K. Greenleaf, drawing no doubt on the teaching and example of Jesus, has written of the difference between those who aspire to leadership to satisfy their own personal ends and those who aspire to leadership in order to serve others. The difference, he writes, manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first leader to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being met, 
The best test is, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants of others? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? A servant leader, he suggests, focus primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong. While traditional leadership has generally involved the accumulation and the exercise of power by the one at the top of the pyramid, servant leadership, as we have been reflecting, is very different. The servant leader shares power, puts the needs of others first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. Servant leadership is a philosophy and a set of practices that enriches the lives of individuals, builds better organizations, and ultimately creates a more just and caring world. Caring for persons, the more able and the less able serving each other, is the rock upon which a good society is built. Jesus, no doubt, would have said, it is the rock on which the kingdom of God itself is built. Now, as well as becoming a servant, Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus also becomes a sacrifice or a scapegoat. René Girard has written that Jesus' strategy as the ambassador from a loving, non-violent father is to expose and render ineffective the scapegoating process so that the true face of God may be known in the scapegoat, the Lamb of God, not the face of a persecuting deity. The scapegoat process that he speaks about is based on a kind of jealousy, but with a twist. As human beings, we learn what is desirable by observing what others find desirable. Having caught our desires from others in a context of scarcity where everyone wants what only some can have, in other words, the survival of the fittest, and this results in a struggle to obtain what it is that we want, which in turn produces a generalized antagonism towards individuals or groups that seem to be responsible for our disappointment when we cannot get what we want. Those people become our scapegoats and we seek to get rid of them in order to get what it is that we want. Girard writes that the desire that lives through imitation almost always leads to conflict and this conflict frequently leads to violence. The Bible, he suggests, unveils this process of imitative desire leading to conflict. And its distinctive narratives reveal at the same time that God takes the part of victims. And in the Gospels, the process of unveiling or revelation is radicalized. God himself, the word made flesh in Jesus, becomes the victim. Christ is the ultimate scapegoat because God in him, God himself, is being scapegoated. 
And as a result, the New Testament Gospels are the starting point for a new science or knowledge of humanity. This new knowledge begins with faith in Christ, the innocent victim, and it becomes the leaven that will work itself out and expand to the point that the concern for victims becomes the absolute value in all societies molded or affected by the spread of Christianity. At the Last Supper, Christ calls us to follow him in serving others, while his crucifixion reveals both the foolishness of scapegoating others and the necessity of concern for all in our world who are victims. May we follow in his footsteps this Holy Week and beyond. Amen.